The following program is sponsored by Lindis Construction. This is the WCCO Home Improvement Show, brought to you by Lindis Construction. One call, one contractor. Lindis Construction provides Minnesota and Wisconsin with the best products and workmanship. They provide leaf guard gutters, asphalt roofing, metal roofing, seasoned guard replacement windows, exterior siding, remodeling, new construction, and more. If you've got questions, they've got answers this hour. Here's Denny Long and Andy Lindis. And good morning. Andy is taking uh, this Saturday off. He has a few things to do, I believe. But our friend Barry Strands is filling in for Andy like he has uh, done in the past a number of times. A number of times, Danny. We're, we're glad. It's always good to see Barry, uh, an active guy. He's not, he doesn't sit in the, uh, in the corner and, and stay quiet. Well, that's really he, not the style, no. no, uh, no, I, no. But you know what? I do hit a wall eventually at the end of the day, and it's like, <laughs> oh, he crashes hard, well, because too. Because you do so, so many things. A I mean, whole bunch of things. I mean, I can see you're you're a very uh, what I call foreground guy. I mean, you're a teacher. I am. So you can't be uh, Mr. Quiet Guy sitting at a desk talking to what contractors, real estate agents. Well, you know, there's the thing I like to call infotainment. You have to do two things. If people are falling asleep while you're reading them a code book, you're not really doing a good job of educating anybody. And if you got to talk about the code for at least a portion of your class every year, then you might as well do it in a way that keeps them entertained. But you know. The beauty is being in the business and having had a life history in the business, yeah. you end up having stories and then you can explain stuff and go, oh, you know, here's what that looks like in real life, which helps a lot, I think. You know, I think about it when I talk to some of our colleagues that do the various shows here on CCO. You could, with your years in the construction business, you could probably write a book, a funny book. A funny book. I mean, out of, on, out of all the errors, not you have made necessarily. Well, that I've seen. <laughs> that you've or, seen. Yes. Some I've seen up real front and center. And it's weird because I'm no longer worried about my expertise. And for a long time, you know, you're younger, you're 35, sure, you're looking yeah. for validation. And it's like you have to get it right for the sake of uh, everyone thinking you have competence. And now it's like I am what I am at 61. I don't care anymore. <laughs> but I'm much more competent than I've ever been. At the same time, I can laugh you've at some of the mistakes. Go. You kind of let Yeah. Let and, go. you know, and you got to do that at some yeah. point. Otherwise, you're in trouble. Well, Barry has helped us out, helped you out with all sorts of uh, home improvement questions. And now's your chance. He knows his stuff. Call us or text us and we'll help you out. 651-989-9226. Uh, lines are open. We've cleared out uh, those lines so you can phone in your home improvement questions there or send uh, Barry a text, 81807. Well, I mentioned the teaching. That's not all you do. What else do you do? No, I actually, my day-by-day day job is I'm a site supervisor for one of the most incredible companies in Minnesota called Kyle Hunt & Partners. And they do high-end new construction renovation work, uh, typically around Lake Minnetonka. But we do it all over the place. And uh, it's so much of a privilege because you get to work with people who can decide to design things that are outside what would be like my ability and work with some incredible people. So you end up meeting some people who have really high expectations, but we're a company that delivers really high quality as well. I wanted to ask you this, and I probably have done this before, Barry, about um, uh, young folks getting into the business uh, because we need them. We really do, and we really do. And we're looking at a whole scenario now where, as, as I sit in contractor classes, the average age of a licensed Minnesota contractor is 56 years old. No kidding. And, wow. and, and everyone looks around and goes, hey, um, hello, what does this mean for the days ahead? So I just tell people that if you're looking at through the lens of 
seeing life through the tactile, hands-on, if your skill set really tends to be more related to visible ability to reproduce or to make your hands do things, that it's really something. There are all kinds of trades that give great opportunities, not just to do physical work, yeah. but also to manage then a business and develop a whole set of skills. We have a lot of guys like me who came in. I came under my grandfather, and I learned how to do things, uh, carpentry and then trim carpentry, et cetera. And it was great. I didn't learn the why. And so today, the educational system in Minnesota requires that contractors get licensed and as a result, get educated and take education hours. So we're actually producing the best contractors available today relative to the education they receive. But people coming into the business, they have to also understand the need to get education. It's critical to know what we're doing. really is. Good point. 651-989-9226. We're already getting text messages, Barry. 81807. See if we can't find something here. Uh, to do, we put oil stain on top of latex stain on our deck. Oops. Oops, exactly. What do, what do we do now? <laughs> <laughs> well, we, oops, sanding? that's what, you, you know, I, I'm trying to think of whether there's a chemical stripper that would take the oil stain off of the latex and leave the latex alone. That might be the first thing. And I probably not, I would go down to a Hirschfields or a Sherwin-Williams, someone who's a dedicated yeah, paint supplier, yeah. and tell them exactly what you did and see if they've got a stripper that won't destroy the latex stain too. But my bet is, Danny, from my experience, uh, that you're going to end up sanding down to raw yeah. and starting over again. Yeah. That's, it's the compatibility issues with those materials. It's critical to understand. And that's why the product manufacturers label their stuff specifically. You can't just decide. You have to read the label. You have to follow the instructions. I mean, there's a number of products that if you don't hit the second coat within an hour of the first application of the first coat, they'll, they'll peel. No kidding. And you have to understand those. And every product's different. And it used to be that we had latex paint and oil paint, and that was all that existed in the yeah. marketplace. Now the chemistry is incredibly it complex. Really is true. And we have to pay attention. In the old days, when I would paint a house, which was not often. <laughs> uh, I'm looking, old... if you could see his face as he says that, like, uh, yeah, once I did that. Yeah. But I remember reading the instructions. You're right. It was oil base or uh, an acrylic. Or yeah. A, 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 but I always said, okay, you want to put a, a, an oil base? Fine. Do that first, and right. then maybe a few years later you can put latex on. But the oil goes on first, not the opposite. Well, that used to be true. Yeah. Now the questions are, what was the base? What did you paint? Yeah. And right now the chemistry on both oils and latexes, or water-based, I should yeah, say, because yeah, yeah, acrylics yeah. are la- water-based, uh, normally allow you to make an application between those coats. It's all about adhesion between coats. But that's, you're right, the chemistry has changed. Though. It has yeah. changed. And so yeah. all of the rules, I mean, I used to tell people when they were saying, well, I'm painting my fence. I'm saying, well, are you painting your fence or are you painting the paint on your fence? <laughs> Good point. Because when you were painting yeah. wood, it's an entirely different conversation than if you're painting paint that is already on wood. You know, and this, by the way, this is a good kind of day, this rainy day when you yeah. had a whole day's worth of outdoor projects you were planning and they're not going to happen. To actually stop, think, regroup, start taking a look around at the things you might want to get done over the next several months. It's a perfect day for planning. And I think that makes sense to just try to encourage folks who are disappointed at the rain that, hey, you're now sitting listening to us. Get a piece of paper out. Get a notebook yeah. out. Make your household wish list so that you're thinking in terms of the things that could be done. And on my drive over here, another thing I was thinking about was this is the season in June. We have this much rain, this much humidity. Mm-hmm. If you go down into your basement right now and there's yeah. a musty smell, what, what does that mean? Well, it means too wet down there. It's too wet down there. Okay, so let me ask you this question because I've been told this by students in class for years. 
Well, it's just musty. It's not mold. Are oh, those I, the same things? Silence me, on the airwaves, Danny. To me, you should see <laughs> again. You, you, should, you should see his face. No, I don't. I don't like either one. It could be. How, how do you differentiate? Well, now, see, now that's the setup. I was hoping you'd ask me that question. I didn't know anything at all about this. And as I began to have this mold crisis in the 90s and we're teaching, I'm learning all kinds of stuff about mold. So when we think about fungal growth on a hard surface, that's mold. But fungal growth on a fabric, that's mildew. Same exact stuff, but a different term relative to what it lands on. Now, get this. When you get something that smells musty, when you yeah. say musty smell, well, we just didn't, we just didn't ventilate. That's yeah. mold. That's the smell of mold in a space. And typically when it's damp like this and we have carpet on our basement floors, we've got water vapor condensing on the concrete floor below our carpet. And it is activating mold spores that are present. And we're getting a musty smell because we've got mold down there. What about mildew? Like yeah, mildew would be on fabric. So you can have mildew in the carpet pad or in the carpet fiber itself. It's the exact same fungal product, just gets a different name. And the challenge, of course, is the Department of Energy says they don't recommend ever putting carpet over concrete floors in basement spaces. And we hard, do it all the time. Hard surfaces, laminates are okay. Yeah, the, yeah, yeah. Because what you create is a fabric base that will trap yeah. mold spores and then enough temperature differentiation that the concrete floor becomes a condensing plane. Now, a condensing plane is any surface that takes vapor and turns it into liquid. So I'm looking at my own house last week when it was super humid outside. I had the doors open, didn't have the AC on, and I came in. I'm working on my staircase, uh-huh. and I've got my hardwood floor looking like somebody mopped my floor. No kidding. I'm, no, I'm serious. And I said to Pam, my wife, I said, what happened to the floor? And she goes, well, I don't know. How come it's all wet? I said, I'm asking you, how come it's all wet? Do you know? Did some kid spill something here? It never occurred to me that we could have been reaching dew point inside our Interesting. home on the floor surface of my entryway at dew point. Yeah. So I turned my dehumidifier well, on. I, I bet folks are experiencing just what you're talking yeah, about this weekend. exactly. And yeah. that's why I wanted to bring it up because a lot of times we have these phenomena and we don't understand what the consequences yeah. can be. And we may, end up making wrong assumptions and looking for a solution that won't exist because we don't understand the problem. Barry, let's take a break. We have more, more show to come. Good point. Uh, we take, uh, Call Barry or send a text. We're talking home improvement. Any, any kind anything. of home, yeah, anything you want anything. to talk about. 651-989-9226 or send a text 81807. We'll be back with more home improvement here on 830-WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our home improvement show presented by our friends at Linda's Construction. Andy's taking the day off today. But our friend Barry Strands is with us helping you out. Barry, as usual, when you get in here, we have a lot of callers and a lot of textures for you to uh, help out. Are you ready? Should yes, let's go. Get I'm back excited. to it. Yeah. All right. Uh, Chris and Rogers is first up here. Chris, you're on with Barry. Good morning. Good morning. Okay. Hey, I, I put a, a patio in last fall, and I have a, a lot of trees in my yard, and yeah. some of the trees dropped leaves, and they sat all winter under the yeah. snow. How do I get the staining out? That's a bleach water solution. You're trying to get rid of the tannins from the leaves. I've seen really good success with that. Then once you're done with that, a concrete sealer. And I would go to a company like Brock White and look for what they recommend. Just ask them at the front desk. But uh, you can find those guys in the yellow pages. They sell concrete-specific materials. All the big box stores have similar stuff. But I tend so to the find... bleaching won't take any of the sealer out that's been put on it? No, you'll need to reseal it. It'll etch the surface. Yep, it'll etch it. You'll, you'll have, have to, to reseal You'll have to reseal. It. Yep. So just reseal it then. Yeah, reseal it. No big deal. Concrete can handle that. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. All right. Good luck with that, Chris. Thank you for taking the time to call. 
And let's see, Barry, who's next? Marilyn is calling, I believe, from Woodbury. Marilyn, you're on with Barry. Hi there. I'm just wondering if it's normal to have a mold buildup in the drain line that comes from your high-efficiency furnace. You know, that goes to the drain. Well, is that kind of a normal thing or not? It's it's not something specific to the unit. It would mean that you've got a concentration of mold spores that are being activated by the water. Again, a bleach water solution becomes a really good solution to that. Uh, I don't have anything in my brain relative to the unit itself having some malfunction, though. As long as it's topical at the mouth of that pipe down on the floor, it shouldn't be anything significant. If you have a service plan from an HVAC company or from an energy company, have them take a look at it when they're out. No, okay. All right. I think that happens often, though. Yeah, it's not uncommon. Yeah. All right. Thanks, Marilyn. Uh, if you want to send a text, 81807 or call Barry, 651-989-9226. Here's a text that says, we have a 100-year-old home and plan to remodel our basement. What is the best method for insulating and framing an exterior basement wall? Oh, I wish they had told me what kind of foundation material that was made out of. Uh, you're right at the turning point between block and stone. And so if they were looking with stone, I tell people that I, my first choice still is to spray foam over the stone surface and then to build a two-by wall using steel studs. Then you don't have to insulate that surface. Insulation's behind the steel. Then you sheetrock over the steel stud. Nothing for mold growth to build up on and so you can keep a nice, clean basement space, room to run your ductwork and mechanical items like electrical boxes, et cetera. So that's my first choice. If it's a block surface, I still think that your better option is to put a two-by-three steel stud wall in front of a block wall. And right now, most experts agree that you should take at least an inch of foam, and this would be like the blue or pink. It's called extruded polystyrene. And you would tape those seams put them against the wall, and then build a wall in front of that. So you're okay. actually going to glue the foam to the block surface okay. and then build a wall in front of it. And I go to a 2 by 3 because it'll still be stiff enough to handle the drywall and give you mechanical access for electrical boxes. But your insulation is not being penetrated. So hey, typically what we did was we would put a piece of foam on, then we'd shoot a 2 by 2 right next to it, and then put a piece of foam on and shoot a 2 by 2 to the concrete block. So now we have a breach in our insulation, and we have penetrations into our block wall, and we have little two-by-twos in direct contact with the concrete. Well, the concrete wall is going to be damp. It's going to wet those pieces of wood. That water vapor is going to transmission into the wood surface. It just isn't ideal. So all of the recommendation today from building science experts is a continuous insulation material on the surface of the block. And then we try not to penetrate that with something to build a wall in front. Yeah, Yeah. Losing space. I don't want to lose four or That's five the trade-off. That's the trade-off. All right. Let's see. Uh, again, text number is 8180. So let's do this. I see we, we have coming up for a break. So, Kevin, on the phone, hang in. You're going to be first up here. Or texters, uh, 81807. We'll have time for your text. We'll have another half hour of the show to go. Barry Strands in for Andy Linda's here on 830-WCCO. And good morning. Welcome back to this portion of our home improvement show. Barry Strands in for Andy Lindis today, answering your questions again, as usual, by phone and by text. There's a line open if you want to use it. And Denny Long is in for Denny Long today. Yes. Which is really good. Yes. It's so hard to replace. (laughs) 651-989. Sorry, I just thought I'd throw you a wrinkle and see what you You would do with that. Now your face is going a little funny. It's cute. 651-989. Nine eight nine nine two two six. I bet you do that in your code. Radio too. should be fun, Danny. That's what I that's think. Right. Well, it is. It what are we talking is. about? Okay, what's the caller now? All right, caller is. Uh, well, let's find out. Kevin right. is first up here, calling from Wasika, I believe. Kevin, uh, you're on CCO. 
A very good morning to you, gentlemen. Thank you. I have another stain removal question. Last fall, I had work done in the basement, and the contractors, when they were cutting the rebar, uh, left a large uh, rust stain on my walkout apron, my cement walkout apron. Yep. Uh, it's textured with uh, small pebbles. It's a uh, flat yep. uh, texture with small pebbles. Uh, the, sat, the stain sat all winter, and now uh, I'm trying to remove it. I tried just pure bleach. Yep. Is there any product out there that's strong enough to leave uh, to remove this uh, rust stain? You're, you're, Kevin, you are making me crazy with not having a good answer for you because this happens frequently. I don't know if muriatic acid would be a solution or not. I think what I would do in the aggregate exposed finishes, I would call a concrete company. I've got several in my Rolodex on my phone, but I don't have that answer right away, and I don't want to mislead you. But it might be that we could scrub that with a muriatic acid wash and get that iron stain off of there, that rust, because those are annoying. And what, kind of, what kind of concrete surface is this? Uh, it's an aggregate. The way you described it is pebbled exposed concrete, aggregate. exposed aggregate. So you've got that on the surface of the stone. And I'm, I'm, I'm 99% sure that's fixable. I just don't remember what to tell them is the right stuff, Denny. So that's what I don't want to screw up. I, I was uh, removing some. I had a, a metal scraper in the wintertime yeah. that left some rust on some concrete. And uh, I used uh, CLR. Did you? Okay. It. Now, sometimes that works. Sometimes it, it doesn't, depending on the – I don't know if yep. it will work in that case. Well, I just – I know I would call first and – Call Semstone. Yeah. yeah. Well, yeah. A good concrete vendor. Yeah. There you go. Call All-Star. All right. You have a couple of choices there, Kevin. Uh, Hillary is calling from Green Isle with a question. Hillary, you're on with Barry. Yes. I was thinking of putting on uh, – Epoxy coat on the garage floor. Yes. Will it fade or peel? No, not if you do it right. And if you're thinking about doing it yourself, remember that the professionals, they shot blast that surface first. So they basically clean the whole thing off with a sandblasting process. Then they vac it completely, and then they begin to work on the surface. If you don't do that, it'll peel. That's That's why I don't recommend homeowners try this themselves unless it's brand new concrete. If it's been sitting around, it's got oil stains, it's got car vehicle patterns and wear, I tell people you're going to regret doing it yourself. You're going to want to call a professional. They'll shot blast the thing, take care of it, and then they'll guarantee that it won't peel. Yeah, you're absolutely right because I did that several years ago before Ron came out with his crew. That was seven or eight years ago now. But I did that, and you're right. It, it, it did it myself, yep. and it peeled. And we just don't have the right equipment, no. Danny. It's not that we took the wrong steps. We just didn't know what right steps to take. And they do prep yep. that uh, floor. They have to be, right. It has to be prepped. Otherwise, yeah. it's a problem. Absolutely. Elizabeth is calling from Burnsville with a question. Elizabeth, you're on CCO. Good morning. Good morning. I have a question for you regarding an old chimney. If the house is a 100-year-old home, and we want to take back, uh, take off the unused um, to take the unused brick down from the chimney yeah. and maybe down, I don't know, maybe six, eight inches below the peak. And then do we fill that hole with something concrete or anything and then patch over it with uh, uh, plywood or felt paper or shingles or what the heck do we do? Well, exactly, Elizabeth. You're on the right track. If you bring the chimney down below the surface, then you would want to cover the brick in the chimney in your attic so that you don't have any issues of anything that might be up there. Mice and rodents tend to find their way into the attic. We don't want them climbing down the chimney and making smells and stuff. So we seal that up. Then we take care of the roof. And that's a simple matter of making sure the framing is in place, 
putting down plywood typically, even though your older house will have solid lumber boards, normally three-quarter plywood will match those out, then tar paper, and then we patch that location with matching shingles, and we're back in business. Yep, very common repair. Very good. There you go, Elizabeth. Thank you for the call. Uh, There's a line open, 651-989-9226. Text, if that's easier, 81807. Speaking of which, I have, Texter says, a concrete floor on dirt, no vapor barrier. How can I insulate and vapor-proof in one swoop? (laughs) (laughs) I love the enthusiasm of that question. To vapor barrier and concrete in one swoop, nothing you can do. You can't do it. No, there isn't anything out there. I mean, the problem, of course, is that insulation needs to go between the concrete and the dirt. That's where it needed to go because we're trying to stop the transmission of cold in the soils into the concrete so the concrete's not being temperature-informed by the temperature of the dirt. We want it to be temperature-informed by the temperature of the room. That's why we need a thermal break beneath the concrete. And, you know, it's the only time to do that is during construction. You can throw stuff on top. But anything you throw on top has to be covered with something else. Now, if you're going to put a insulation material and sealer on, then you could do something like dry core, which would be like a dimpled membrane and OSB, and then put a new floor down. But remember, to do all of that, you're screwing up the height of the first step into your house or from the basement to the next level. And now you've got to rebuild your staircase. So there isn't – I'm serious. There is no good solution to this. It's a, it's a design problem, and it wasn't until 2000 that Building Code began to require plastic underneath basement floors in houses. Last time you were here, Barry, we were talking about codes. And when did you say, as far as Minnesota and the Twin Cities specifically, I mean, is the whole state under a similar code? Yeah, there's only one building code. And and Minnesota adopted the code in 1972. It was this 1970 code document that we picked up. But it was only for cities over 2,500 persons. So there was no requirement for smaller towns or townships or cities to adopt the building code. In 2008, that changed, and the state legislature made the building code a statewide code, even when it's not going to require permits and inspections. So even though we may not have permits and inspections in some communities or or greater Minnesota areas, we still have an applicable code, which means if someone builds their own house, they have to build a Minnesota state building code, even if nobody's coming to inspect the work. Does that make sense? Yeah. So now at the time of sale, a buyer has to be told that the work doesn't meet code or they have the legal authority to believe that the work did meet code because it's a state law that it is to meet code. So now if you don't tell them that it doesn't meet code, you commit fraud in the real estate transaction. All of this stuff is in your head. Yeah. All these code Just say it uh, you know, a thousand times and it'll be in your head too, Danny. <laughs> okay. That's the deal. Uh, text number 81807. Here is one that says, good morning. I would like to ask you if it's possible to put linoleum over a tile floor. Well, not without an interfacing material. Uh, you've got to have something in between the tile and the linoleum. And while I could tell you that there are things that you could do, because uh, nobody wants the work of breaking up the tile, I would never do it. I would never, ever, ever do it. So I can't recommend it, even though there's a way to do it. But you got to put something down to put the linoleum on. You can't lay linoleum directly over the tile. You can't. So don't, 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 don't do that, please. There's a different kind of a question today. Uh, when I'm calling contractors to get bids, should I expect a return call even if the contractor is too busy to bid and need to pass on the bid? Seems like there's a culture in the trades of not calling back in a timely fashion. Should I adjust my expectation for a return call or does not hmm, Let me, re- does not returning a call reflect poor quality work? 
have a business yeah. in a different industry. Yeah. Uh, I call back people ASAP even yeah. if I am booked. Yeah. This yeah. is the yeah. texter. Yeah, 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 yeah. I've taken this question and I've lived on both sides of this equation for so long, it's near and dear to my heart. Let me explain that smaller contractors who are running their own company are doing everything. They're bidding jobs. They're managing people. They're the bookkeeper. Som- yes, and sometimes they're the salesperson and the labor force. And they are so bi- if they're out right now six weeks or eight weeks or, or three months and another phone call comes in, they know they should call that number back. And they know they're going to have to say, I can't do anything. And some people get so overwhelmed internally, they just don't. Now, the larger companies will call you back and say, we can't help you right now. But it's really – it's a reflection not on the quality of the contractor – not on their personal integrity. I don't think anyway. Right. I, I think it is a reflection on how large the company is, though. How big is your company? That's what it's telling us. My company's not big enough to have someone man the phones to respond to everything that comes in. So not a quality issue in my mind. I, so you adjust your expectations relative to how big a company. Normally, by the way, the larger the company, the more overhead and the higher the price point. That's true, too. Right? So the smaller company's going to give you a better value in many cases – but they might not be able to get there when you want them, and you may have yeah. to wait. But if you keep banging that number, call them and call them and call them and call them, they will call you back eventually. Eventually. Because yeah. they'll get tired of seeing that number show up on their phone yeah. when they don't know who it is. But that's understandable. Well, I, to me it is. But it's reflecting of people who are living really, but really busy But it's frustrating. Because so the it, consumer doesn't know what's going on. They think, how come you're disrespecting me but not calling me back? Well, plus it's such a busy time for contractors now. And, and, Huge. And, and Denny, to that point – Lindis is answering calls this morning right now. That's right. You call, you call Midwest Leaf Guard. And by the way, one of the things to talk about is if you have gutter systems right now that are being overloaded in these tor- torrential rains and it, water is spilling off the end of your gutter, your gutters are undersized. And Lindis is a perfect company to come out and take a look at that. And they can take your calls right now. They've got people answering you know, phones that's this right. morning. I'm glad you brought that up because they're going to be, I think, <clears throat> excuse me, till noon. Till noon today. Yeah. And uh, you're right. And this is when they usually get calls when it's pouring rain. Right. Saying, I got a problem here. But do that. By the way, as you know, uh, if you think you need new gutters or maybe you want to get something remodeled or whatever, they come out for free that first day. Yeah. Well, you just had them out to your place. Oh, yeah. So we're, we're going to get a project underway, which we'll talk about. Fabulous. As we go through it. But you know what we have to do right now? You can't guess. I, I'll bet we're taking a break. We are taking a break. But we'll be back with more of your phone calls. And text messages for Barry Strands filling in for Andy Lindis. 1-800-LEAFGUARD, by the way, is the number to call. Those good folks are there right now. They're not usually on a Saturday. But if you wanted to chat with them about any particular thing, call them now. 1-800-LEAFGUARD. And good morning. Welcome back to our Home Improvement Show. We're around every Saturday, thanks to our friends at Lindis Construction. And Barry reminded me that those folks are there now if you want to give them a call, Uh, especially if you think... By golly, I think Barry's right. I need some new gutters. We're going to talk about that, Barry, in good. a moment. 1-800-LEAFGUARD is the number. Call those good folks right now. In the meantime, phone calls. Tim is calling from Lake Elmo, Barry. Morning, Tim. Uh, hi, Tim. Good morning, Barry. Thank you. Boy, you guys know a lot. That's all I got to say. No. I'm, I'm in the presence of greatness to my right over here. <laughs> well, this is the guy that you. knows the stuff. So, Tim, uh, thank you. How can we help you? Well, I have a 15-year-old cedar shake uh, roof. And I've noticed some mold, not mold, but uh, moss yep. growing on it. What what can I do about that? Power wash it, not you, but someone. Power wash it and then hit it with an antifungal, like a stain device. It can be clear, slightly tinted, but use an antifungal agent on it, and that'll extend the life of your wood roof. And most wood roof companies that just do install have a reference that they regularly give out for people to do the cleaning. 
Okay. Okay. Thank Most you. of them don't clean them themselves, but they hire, they send, they refer. So call oh, a Woodruff okay. company. Mm-hmm. Thank you much. You're welcome. Hi, Tim. Yeah. Thank you. Thanks Bye. for listening. Thanks for the call. Uh, that uh, leaves the line open, Tim does. It's 651-989-9226. Let's talk about what you were, you touched upon, uh, Barry, about sure. the gutters that are kind of overflowing. And, well, of course, Lindis knows all about this stuff. The thing is this. Most people just think, I'm putting gutters on my roof. Well, there's how many different styles of gutters are there? Right, so a standard K style or a half round are the two most common sizes or types, but there are different sizes in each of those versions, and those are supposed to be determined relative to the size of the roof. Now, an average 1950s home, ranch or rambler style home, can handle a typical four inch gutter design, but you start adding on and changing the roof assembly or making that roof larger, and you get more water hitting that surface, and then oftentimes that gutter is being overloaded. Now, particularly if you don't keep it clean, it's an issue, but we know about that, and of course, these guys have got this great gutter cover that will solve it so that you don't have to worry about leaves being part of your issue. But making sure it's sized correctly, that it's draining down correctly, and then that it's the outflow of that rain leader is going in the right location. Today, a lot of our landscape contractors will bury those, put them into boxes, and then move them away through hard pipe, and then they release below ground through a perforated pipe well away from the house so we don't increase the water load around the foundation's perimeter. Yeah. But those are all things that need to be considered. That's why you need an expert to think them through. It's not just as simple as going to a big box store, buying a gutter, and putting it up right. in your house. You really should have a consultation, and these guys are the best. I remember when uh, this uh, Barry had to be almost 20 years ago that I, when I met uh, uh, the Linda's folks, and that's what they did back then. Yeah, I had, and I was so impressed with those downspouts. Yeah, wow, they're big. They they can handle. We used to say this: they can handle the leaf guard gutter like thirty two inches of rain an hour. It's amazing, isn't it? Yeah, yeah, wow. good, good product and yeah. great people. Yeah, one eight hundred leaf guard. By the way, uh, if you want to give them a shout, as I said, they are there right now. Uh, let's see. George is calling from North Branch, I believe, with a question. Go ahead, George. Yeah, I got a seven-year-old house uh, with an unfinished basement. I laid uh, in-floor radiant heat. I haven't had the boiler hooked up yet, so just calling to see what you would recommend for the best finished flooring on top of that uh, slab. So I'm assuming it's a water-based system with your boiler, so you've got in-floor throughout. I I think you can do... Whatever you want, because you're heating the slab itself, you get radiant distribution through the concrete mass. Uh, to me, you're going to solve problems with mold on that surface. Most in-floor systems get insulation beneath that and the grade. If that's the case, then you're golden. You can do whatever you want for a finish. So, again, now it becomes an aesthetic perspective and what you want to walk on down there. Okay. Uh, thanks, George. By the way, that's how I wish they were all done. In-floor heat in the concrete slab, insulation below. That's, I wish everyone did that. It's not oh. code, so we don't have to. It's but not code. Boy, I really recommend people think about that when building or remodeling. All right, let's see. What do I need to do, Texter says, to prepare painting kitchen cupboards? Sand, paint, what? Well, again, it's back to what's on the surface now. And I'm assuming it'll be a stain and a sealer. And so I normally tell people that they can sand everything out. I recommend that anyway. But to get grease off of the surface and to etch the surface, you can actually wash them with TSP, trisodium phosphate, dry powder chemical available at any hardware home improvement center. You mix it with water and you wash everything down. That takes all the grease off. Sometimes that's all you need to do, right, depending on what you're putting over the surface. So if it's just a straight paint, if it's an oil base and you're spraying it, I still would etch the surface with the sandpaper. And in those cases, I normally use 120-grit paper. It's enough etching, but it's not so deep a groove that it would leave a mark when you paint. 
Texter is talking about the sinking sidewalk. Uh, sure. What, what do you know about mud jacking? Well, mud jacking is a technique designed to push concrete below the surface of an existing concrete slab. And we actually pump concrete into the void, the area there, and its pressure lifts the concrete from beneath like a hydraulic jack. And depending on the configuration, that's a really good solution. We can do this with concrete slabs in basements. We can do it in garage floors. We can do it all over the house. Sometimes, however, if we don't get enough of a seal to the edge of a slab, like a little narrow three-foot sidewalk, we can't quite get enough pressure along the side to lift it. And then we either we tear it out and report it typically. That's what our company does anyway. Uh, Ted, this has nothing to do with home improvement, but I, I, uh, I'm all for this text because I see it all the time, as you probably do too. In pouring rain or snow, night, whatever it is, people, <laughs> they don't turn on their headlights. Have yeah, you noticed sure. that? Yeah. Pouring yeah. rain. Yeah. And, uh, I, I, don't, I don't think having pet peeves is a bad thing. What we do with that, <laughs> yes. you know. So now we want to encourage people to drive with their lights on. Yeah. Yes, please. Do that. Please. Yeah, it's, please. it's raining. Like right now. I like Turn uh, your lights on. Uh, sometimes people, it's nothing to do with home improvement, <laughs> but they have a white vehicle and there's a blizzard. Yes. And they don't have their lights on. Well, how it could apply to home improvement if someone is going to or coming from a home improvement store. Now, I've wondered. And doesn't have the lights on. See I've that. wondered often if so many vehicles over the years have had auto headlights and people get used to just leaving right. in the auto position. Right. Okay. Well, that's, that's enough of that. We're, <laughs> we're, okay, Jenny. We're almost out of time, Barry. It's always great to see you. But uh, again, reminding our listeners that the Lindis folks are there now. Right now. Mm-hmm. They uh, can take your phone call right yeah. now. And if you're talking, about, and again, they'll come to your house if you want like a new door or something, mm-hmm. new front door, you need windows, uh, they're the folks you want to call. 1-800-LEAFGUARD, 1-800-LEAFGUARD. Great to see you, Barry. My pleasure, sir. Hope to see you soon down Me the too. road.